Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to City Church. How you doing? I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us this weekend, and I'm so pumped to be back. I haven't had a microphone in like three weeks around here, guys, so get ready. Just buckle up. We're going to be here for like three hours. Not really. I'm just joking. I got... 20 minutes on the clock back there, and then they start throwing stuff at me. I'm so glad that you're here. Grateful to have you. Hey, listen, if you're a first-time guest with us, genuinely grateful. If you're joining us online and your first time, grateful for you there. We'd love for you to use those connection cards. It's a great way to help us uh, just help you take some next steps in wherever you are walking in. Uh, listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey today, you are loved, safe, and welcome here at City Church. Our heart, our desire is to simply meet you where you are, help you take next steps, and whatever that means for you today. And so we are continuing in this series through the book of Nehemiah. Normally, uh, through our summers, we take some time, and I say this like we've been doing it forever. Our church is only three years old. But, you know, in the three years that we've been doing it, we do a summer series through a book of the Bible. And so we've been walking through the book of Nehemiah. We are on chapter six today. So if you brought your uh, Nehemiah journals, you can use those. There's journals in the seat backs in front of you. There's Bibles there. Everything will be on the screen as well. Um, and so for all of our friends at home sick with COVID, I am so sorry. COVID is going around like crazy. So after the service, greet people, high five them, and then get some hand sanitizer, okay? No kissing after service or anything like that. Let's just try to shut that down. COVID is relentless right now, isn't it? It's crazy, but I'm so glad that you made it today and that you're here. Uh, before we get into Nehemiah 6 today, I got a couple things. Just want to give some shout outs because over the last three weeks, we have had, we've had different team members bringing different messages through the book of Nehemiah. So can we put our hands together for how amazing Isaac McCarty did a couple of weeks ago? speaking on conflict resolution. And then last week, Maddie Kester crushed it. Come on, put your hands together for Maddie on a, a message on humility. And then a couple weeks ago, Billy Hoerider spoke on God's plan and providence for our lives. Put our hands together for Billy crushing it. Man, it's been amazing. And I'm grateful we have a church that develops people no matter where they are. And so I want you to hear that, that God has made you on purpose for a purpose. And our desire is to help you identify what that looks like and simply help you move into that space, whatever that means for your life. And so it's been an incredible series. You can go back and catch all of our messages on our YouTube channel or our podcast. So when you're hiking a nice trail or when you're tubing the creek or whatever you're doing, pop in an earbud, definitely in the creek. That's a great idea. Um, did anybody do tube to work day this last Friday? Anybody? I was out of town, which I'm so sad for. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you absolutely need to give this a Google after the service, okay? Um, tube to work day might be the coolest thing that Boulder does all year, and uh, normally City Church is serving in it, but they last minute scheduled it. Why am I giving you a commercial on tube to work day? I'm so pumped that you're here. Tube to work day. Go look it up. All right, Nehemiah, hands down. Man, I, I, it's been an amazing couple of weeks check out the podcast, catch up on it. But we've been over and over again talking about this idea of vision. And listen, I don't know where you're walking in and how the week has been. Hopefully you're just kind of full and your summer cup is going really, really well and you're having a great time. 
but some of us are probably walking in a little distracted and work doesn't really stop and life doesn't stop and so summer is a unique season in that it offers different activities but life doesn't necessarily stop in the middle of that. And so we've been talking about a vision for your life over the, kind of the premise of this entire series and here's the definition of vision that we've been using over the last couple of weeks. Vision for your life is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. I want you to sit in this with me for just a minute. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about the, just the purpose of your life, getting to the end of your life and looking back and saying, man, I, I didn't waste it. I, I live my life on purpose and with purpose and for a purpose. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. And the book of Nehemiah is a book connected to the story of God, ultimately pointing us to Jesus. But what we see from Nehemiah is this man with a vision for what could be fueled by the conviction from God that it should be, that it has to be. Much like City Church today was birthed out of a vision from God of what could be three years ago, and then a move of not just myself and my wife and a few staff members, but an entire team of people rallying around what should be, and it doesn't stop there. Many of you carry the same mission, vision, and values that this family is continually building as we partner with God in Boulder, the West, and the world. And there's a lot more that should be, right? There's a lot more in us that, that should be and hopefully could be moves us into that space. But, but here, here's what I know probably about you as you walk in is while this is a great topic and hopefully it, it moves you a little bit and, and, and today God accomplishes in our hearts what he wants to, uh, the reality is you probably didn't wake up this morning or walk in this morning with this on your mind. Vision is one of those really difficult things because life is full of distractions. And the problem with distractions are they're distracting. <laughs> That's why I talked about tube to work day for 30 seconds. <laughs> and you and I have this attention span, you know, less than a goldfish these days. So, like, that's not good. Some of you are like, what would you just say? Exactly, right? Like, we have this, we have a challenge of distraction in our, and we can just kind of be distracted to death, can't we? I don't want you to miss a really important premise on the idea here from Nehemiah as we walk through this book over the summer, that although he was a man with vision, sometimes this can be really intimidating. If you're not like a type A entrepreneur personality, right, vision can be intimidating. You're like, oh, how do I, how do I create vision? And how do I, I mean, I don't even know where to start, but I want you to really get this big picture today that you and I, we, we don't create vision, we receive it. This is a really, really important premise to the entire book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not an amazing man with amazing leadership qualities. I mean, he is those things. But uh, uh, he didn't just like birth this idea, Apple 2.0, the new Tesla. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, he, he didn't just have his own vision, but rather he, re, he received this vision from God, this burden that started to swell up inside of him. And so while you might not have walked in with this reality, you probably are coming in distracted with the whirlwind of summer and life just being constantly full of distractions. Even, now listen, I don't know what you hear when you hear the word distraction, but not all distractions are bad distractions. In fact, you and I have a life full of really good distractions, but the problem is vision is lost in the weeds of our distracted lives. And so what happens? The important things in our lives, and, and how do you know what's important? It's really hard on Monday to know what's important without giving deep thought to it, but it's really easy to see what should have been important 20 years from now. That, that's the difference. A life with vision begins with the end in mind. And Jesus invites us into this incredible reality of living a life with him daily that gives us vision now 
that matters throughout our lives. And so vision, while it gets lost among the weeds, what happens is that the important things get sacrificed in the middle of the urgent. What could be is often lost in the flurry of what is in front of you. What should be gets buried under what must be in front of you. And the distractions are relentless, right? You have work that doesn't stop. And then you have summer that shows up and kind of this weird seasonal obligation to party a little harder, but your work doesn't give a rip that you want to do that. And so what do you do? You work really hard like normal, and then you go play and vacation and do all the things. You take big trips and little trips and mini vacations and one day overnighters and then quick days where you burn the candle at both ends and you show up exhausted and need two cups of cold brew at church. You know, you have all these things happening. So we go to work and then we vacation and then we get back and we have extra work to catch up on because we vacation from work for a week and a half. And then we have the weekend mini trips and we have sickness, which is what's up with that? Sickness is something for the fall and winter, not for the middle of summer. Stop it. That's messed up. Then you have bills that don't stop, and then you have the crisis and the unexpected, right? My buddy Isaac McCarty in here is just getting wrecked right now. His car is blowing up. His animals are dying. I, I'm just kidding. He has no animals, but he's very healthy. Uh, he, he, sorry, that was not prophecy, buddy. Uh, um, I was just trying to like create the worst scenario possible, but seriously, the dude is like, gets a, gets a pay raise and a new job, and then his car just implodes. We're like, sweet, just paid off that car that I can now not drive, and so the dude is just crisis constant right now, and he's doing a great job navigating it, by the way. Love you. Um, we have Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2. Yeah. Don't ruin that. I haven't watched it yet. And right, here's the problem. Life is now. Bills are now. Crisis is now. Stranger Things is tonight. Vision is later. <laughs> and, and this is the problem. And, and you probably hear that, and you're like, yep, but then it doesn't move you, <laughs> right? You're like, yep, and you're just going to go do those things and live distracted lives the rest of Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday until you take the time to pause and fast forward in your heart and mind to the fall. Go ahead and just, in your heart and mind, go to the fall when kind of the season changes again and rhythms kind of go back into the, they're still busy and weird, but, but it's different again. And all of a sudden you look up and over the last three to six months, your character still hasn't developed. And the person that Jesus wanted you to become, you, you didn't quite make any strides in that direction, even though it was, it was on your to-do list. Or, or fast forward a year from now and you're in more debt than you started with because you made poor financial decisions over the last year without any vision of what could be. Fast forward to five years from now when, when the windows of investment, those, those really big milestones in your kids' lives have just kind of flown by and you missed those opportunities to be intentional and you're like, man, I wish I had those back. Fast forward 20 years from now and after chasing the American dream, you're going to find that, that you're still kind of in this weird empty space and you're like, what's up with that? Fast forward to the end of your life and you start reflecting on who God uh, is and, and that, that there's this incredible God that loves you and, and he's had this plan for your life and he's walked with you your entire life and he's been giving you constant invitations and you realize you didn't take a lot of them. You and I play the tape forward a little bit and all of a sudden those distractions are a little bigger threat than they feel like they are right now. And we look back on our lives, whether it's in the fall or 20 years from now, and we're going to wish things would have been different. Here's the good news. Things can be different, but the question is, how, how do we live lives with better decisions and fewer regrets? Because that's what you want. Whether you're a follower of Jesus in the room or not, you would like to have a life filled with better decisions and fewer regrets. You guys have seen that 
Tattoo, right? Okay, if you haven't, that's another Google for another day. I've got like three weeks in me, guys. It's going to be a long day. I've got a lot to get through, and I have no idea what we're going to accomplish, but I trust that God's going to do what he wants to do today. Um, so today, today we're going to see three types of distractions to a life of vision in the life of Nehemiah. Three types of distractions, because part of, part of understanding and dealing with the distractions in front of you are, are, are knowing what kinds there are and then how to fight them. And so we're going to see Nehemiah do this in an incredible way, actually. He crushes it. But before we get into Nehemiah's distractions and our distractions, I, I really want to take some time and point you back to Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower, I really want to take some time to point you to Jesus, okay? We, we, we've taught on this. We did a, a series on, on, on the scriptures and the Bible as a whole and, and talking about how the, the Bible is this entire arc narrative all culminating and pointing to Jesus, this library of books that God has authored with humans to bring together this incredible picture that draws us and points us to Jesus. And Nehemiah is doing that very same thing. And so I don't want you to miss the point before we get into our distractions and what could be. But I want you to think about the life of Jesus. And I don't know how much you know about Jesus, but think about it for a second. The secret sauce, to borrow uh, uh, Isaac's message a couple weeks ago, I couldn't resist. No Krabby Patty video today for you, but the secret sauce to Jesus' distraction-free life. That's another one. If you missed the Krabby Patty video, go back and watch it, guys. It'll change your life or annoy you, one of the two. But the secret sauce to Jesus' distraction-free life, what was it? Think about Jesus, probably the most important person to ever walk the planet. That whole being God and being man thing is pretty cool. And, and probably had more important things to do on his to-do list in a given day than you and I do, although our lives are important, don't get me wrong. Uh, probably had more urgent requests around him than you or I ever face, even though he didn't have an iPhone in his pocket. So that, uh, you know, that might, might be a little more distracting. But consider Jesus' life and then consider at the same time how he was never hurried he never overreacted. He was never like so, so burnt out that, that the ugly stuff started to pour out of him. He, he did this incredible thing of living the life that you and I can't live. And you're like, and what's amazing about Jesus is because he, he, he was kind of finite in the sense that he was fully God and fully man, God and Abad, right? In the same way that you and I are, he couldn't give himself to everything all the time. He didn't heal every person. He didn't talk with every person. He didn't call every person to follow him in the sense of, of the small circle of relationship that he had with his disciples. While he in, invited everyone to follow him, he was still a Lego, right? He still has so many connectors, if you will. And so you've got to ask the question, like, man, how did Jesus know what to say yes to and no to? How did he live a distraction-free life? Let me show you in Mark chapter 1. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down and maybe memorize this. So this is early on in the, in the record of, of Mark and rising very early in the morning. Dang it. <laughs> Already we're out, like, oh, there it is. This, if that's the secret sauce, I'll come back next week, right? And rising very early in the morning, don't worry, it doesn't stop there. While it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. We talked about this a couple a series ago. This quiet place, away from distraction, and then he prayed. And Simon, one of his followers uh, who, were, who were with him, they were searching for him, and they found him, and they said, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And then Jesus responds, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, let's go, let's go talk to everybody. Let's go meet all of their needs and listen to all their requests and let them dictate how I spend my day. 
Actually, Jesus does something that you and I might be a little bit confused by. Jesus responds, let's go on to the next town. <laughs> like, hey, everyone's looking for you. Cool, let's go this way. <laughs> like, anti the need in the moment, let's go on to the next towns so that I may preach there also. For Check this out. Listen. Listen to the clarity that Jesus has in this moment. That is why I came out. It's why I came out. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus always came out of, over and over again, you can read through the scriptures, pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any of those, if you don't, pick the, if you, if you don't like read the Bible regularly, pick up any of those and just kind of walk through it. You're gonna see the life of Jesus is always about relationships. It's incredible. But in this particular space, it's his relationship with God that dictates everything else. Jesus would always come out of this space with clarity around his identity and his calling. Every time he would spend time with the Father, he came out with clarity around his identity and calling. His yes and his no were very clear, even if it hurt some feelings. Time with God daily was Jesus' secret sauce. That God is after relationship. I don't, I don't know what you've been exposed to, and if you think religion is about putting in a certain amount of time and energy and resources, checking certain boxes, make sure the to-do list outweighs the, 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 the bad list of things, and hopefully God likes you. Not at all. It's all about relationship. And time with God daily for you and I, we call it the 5% life here at City Church. Every time you go to City Group, the primary goal of, our, of your City Group throughout the week is to get you to use your time to elevate the most important things in front of you. I don't want you to miss this. Listen, for Jesus, intimacy with God brings clarity. You want clarity around your life purpose and what God is up to and connecting it to that bigger story. You want your life to count in the fall a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. Intimacy with God brings clarity from God. And listen, I don't want you to miss it because you're like, oh, that's so great, except he's not on vacation and I stayed up too late and I didn't want to get up early or I couldn't get up early or I have little kids and they beat me up to getting up early and I just can't spend time in the morning or I work on East Coast time and I got to be up at six o'clock and my meetings start then and we have all these different things. But Jesus didn't just spend time with the Father in the morning. It was daily. Sometimes life and people get in the way, don't they? If you have little kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's ridiculous. I'm like, why can't you sleep in until 10 o'clock? My four and six year old, like, right? I would, have ki- I would kill to do that. They're like, nah, 5.30, we're up, woo! All the energy in the world, well, <laughs> Jesus, I'll be back. <laughs> Life and people get in the way, and guess what? Seasons complement that. So you go on vacation, guess what happens? The first thing that happens when you go on vacation is your schedule, and you get back a week and a half later and you didn't spend any time with God and you're kind of frazzled and a little weird and you're like rested but not rested and you're like, that's a weird place to be. Life and people do get in the way and so what Jesus would do, is he, he, was, he would actually sacrifice sleep to spend time with God. Luke chapter six, I don't have time to give it to you, you can go read it yourself. Luke six, we see that Jesus stayed up all night. Dang it. <laughs> is there a middle ground lunchtime arena for spending time with God early morning all night? Here's the point. It was Jesus' greatest priority that even when loving people took precedence in the moment, he always prioritized time with God daily. Intimacy with God was the first calling. And so listen, I hope that you're resting well. I love the summer. I just got back from a week and a half of vacation. It was amazing. Had a blast. 
I want you to play. I want you to rest deep. I want you to breathe deep. I want you to eat really good food. I want you to make memories. I want you to eat some more, more really good food. I want you to make more memories. I want you to bring me back some of that food. I, I want you to have a great time over the summer. I really do. But I don't want you to accidentally take a vacation from God. And you would never say or do that on purpose. I, I know that. I, I know your hearts. And, and I'm a pl- there's a little sarcasm in today's message, so I hope you have fun with me. Okay, don't get your feelings hurt. You and I can distract our way into oblivion, can't we? Just on a routine day. But then, man, you go on vacation, schedules go out the window, and all of a sudden, where's the time gone? Remember, listen, we're talking about relationship here, not obligation on your to-do list. I'm not talking about, like, did you read your Bible today? Because if you didn't, you should feel bad about it. That's not at all what we're talking about. We're talking about relationship with God. So we were on vacation, and I got Danielle a wedding band, surprised her with this awesome, pretty little wedding band while we are on vacation. That's when you're like, oh, oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, nothing, guys? Seriously? Dang. Um, it's okay. Don't be impressed. It's only like 12 years late. So <laughs> we got married you know, 12 years ago, and I finally had the budget to buy her a wedding band. Um, Broke as a joke for the last 12 years. Still broke as a joke. Now extra broke as a joke because I bought a ring. So, you know, that's cool. Got her this wedding band and in, in a coffee shop. And again, don't be impressed because it's 12 years late. But I got down on one knee and like, you know, asked her to recommit to, uh, to doing this whole marriage thing. And luckily she said yes. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was a little worried actually. I was looking in her eyes. I'm like, hmm, is that gl- a good glistening or a bad glistening? And so... It'd be like this, me me giving Danielle that ring and me telling her, hey, babe, I am so excited for the next season of our life together. I love you, and actually, I'm so excited about the summer with you, babe. I've got lots of amazing plans, but actually, I mean, mean, you're invited, but you know, I'm sure I'll see you around this summer, but I've got some really cool stuff that I'm doing. You know, I might see you, babe, like, you know, one Sunday a month, maybe, maybe twice a month. Or, you know, I might see you, you know, in, in a home on a, on a weekday night. If I get together with people, you be there. We get to see each other there. Or, you know, like, I might talk to you in the mornings every now and then when I remember or I get up in time and I, you know, I have the time to do that. But, but listen, babe, I'm so pumped about our relationship. It's amazing, and I love you, and I, and I, and I can't wait to see all that happens. I'll see you around. I would have that ring still <laughs> if I gave that presentation because it's a relationship, right? It's not an obligation. What we're talking about is, is intimacy. Listen, all this is hyperbole. I, I know you. I know your hearts. But if you and I let distraction, it will rob us of the most important relation, relationship in our life, and that's our relationship with God. I want you to see for Jesus here and for your life, God's goal is relationship before results. You and I can get stuck in this checklist, to-do list, religion, rules, all this stuff. That's not at all what Jesus is after. The relationship dictates everything else. And so the goal for City Church, our heart for you, is that you and I would walk so closely with God that when he speaks, we hear it. And then we adjust our lives accordingly. That's what, that's what Nehemiah was able to do. And that's how Jesus does it in this moment. See, how, how do you know to go to the next town? That's why I came? How can you have that kind of confidence? What if you and I walked so closely with God on the daily that his voice, man, our hearts are just in tune with it, and every time he speaks, we hear and obey. That's our goal for you. That's what a healthy church looks like. 
It's, it's not programs and, and how, how amazing was the band or the message or any of that. It's, it's about you and I as the church, as Jesus followers, living life in rhythm and in tandem with what God says is important. And Jesus boiled it down for us. He said the most important things that you can spend your life on are loving God because he loves you and out of the overflow of that relationship, loving people. I, I know you know this and I know this, but distraction doesn't let up, does it? I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Hey, how, how's your relationship with God? Oh, you know, it's hard. It, listen, it's no mistake that the hardest spiritual discipline of a Jesus follower is time with God daily because it's the most important. It's the most life-giving. It's the most transforming. I don't want you to miss this. The greatest threat to following Jesus is distraction. Or the language we've used over the last couple of months, the greatest threat to apprenticing under Jesus. The greatest threat to being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, the person you want to become, doing the things that Jesus did, the things that are gonna give you true fulfillment in life, the greatest threat is the distraction in front of us. So, with the five minutes I have left, Let's go to Nehemiah chapter six. So three types of distraction to a life of vision. This is just to give you some reflection time, okay? Let me show you. Um, let's see, uh, the first one. Three types of distraction. The first one's gonna be opportunities. Out of the three, this is probably the one that you're faced with the most. With the most. Nehemiah is gonna be faced with the opportunities in front of him. Again, they're not bad things. They're actually good things, but you and I have limits. And so when it comes to wrestling with distraction, not just what keeps us from God, but keeps us from a life of purpose. Opportunities show up. Entertainment opportunities, athletic opportunities, financial opportunities, relational opportunities, religious opportunities, investment opportunities, career opportunities, business opportunities, vacation opportunities, all the opportunities. They don't stop. And a lot of them are really, really good opportunities. But good opportunities can sabotage the best ones. And you and I make a decision. Every time we say yes to something, we need to evaluate, is this supporting or competing with the vision that God has for my life? So let me show you Nehemiah chapter six, starting in verse two. So there's this uh, opponent, this, this uh, dirtbag, Sam Ballot. No one's called him that yet in this series, but that, you can write that out in the book there. I'm sure that was what his name meant, dirtbag. Sam Ballot. And Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at a place I can't pronounce, in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. Now, this is a really context. Nehemiah 6. They've been building the wall. This guy's been an opponent the whole time. Now they're about to complete the wall which is a really, really big deal. And so now it appears that maybe this opponent is like, oh, well, maybe you're actually a formidable opponent. Maybe we should work together instead of being in competition, right? So this seems like maybe a, a good thing. But Nehemiah sees through it. He sees that they intended to do me harm. He goes on. And he says, I sent messengers to them. Check this out. This is so awesome. Next time you get an invitation to something, I want you to respond like this. He responds and says, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Dang! <laughs> Hey, let's meet together, right? And, and again, I want you to think there's like career opportunity here and maybe working with the local officials. Like this could really be a good thing. They've been opponents the whole time. And so this might be a peace treaty moment. I mean, this is a really big opportunity. Nehemiah sees through that. And he says, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. 
You have something in your life like that? Something you're giving your time and energy and resources to where you're like, I am doing, this right here is a great, how does he know it was a great work? Because God gave it to him. Maddie talked about it last week. Nehemiah's intimacy with God was there. He received this. He didn't create it. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times. Distractions are relentless, aren't they? That person pinging you for that next date, even though you don't want to go back. (laughs) They sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. What a boss. Here's, Here's my encouragement for you when it comes to you processing your distractions. So again, Vision for your life, you've got to receive it. You can't create it. And so the first priority is your time with God daily. But from that, I absolutely believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life. A vision for today, a, a, an opportunity to live into this incredible new reality of being fully human, of what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, it's amazing daily. But it has long-term implications. You're only going to find that by being, it's not, you're not going to get it from me or from your boss or from your spouse or from your family what is that great work? But when you get it, this is amazing. He's married to it. I want you to say to yourself, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down every night when you tuck your kids in bed. Every time that you choose not to stay late for work and come home early to have dinner with your family, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down from that. Every time that you choose to go to Citigroup, even though the work is crazy and you're exhausted, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down from that. Every time that you use your gifts to serve others through a weekend gathering, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down from that. We have people in City Kids right now. What are they doing? A great work. Can't come down from that. Every time that you focus on your character as a single person, rather than compromising just because you don't want to be alone, focusing on the person that God wants you to become, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down from that. Every time that you look at that vision to be debt-free and and living a generous life, and that distraction of a new toy shows up, you're like, nah, I'm, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down from that. When you pick up that book to develop something inside of you, when you pick up emotionally healthy spirituality, when you pick up Fields of Gold, the books that we hand out to new team members, and you choose not to pick up that remote for Netflix, I'm doing a great work. <laughs> I can't come down from it. It's okay that it hurts a little bit on the inside. It's not a bad thing. When you go to bed on time, and you get the sleep that your body needs, and you don't hit the snooze, and you get up and you prioritize time in the scriptures and in prayer every day, you say, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Put it on a mirror, put it on a sticky note, put it on your dashboard. God's got something great in front of you. And it it does involve plans and purposes and things very unique to you, but at the end of the day, that relationship with God and how it overflows into how you love people is the most important thing you're going to spend your life on. Distraction number two. Criticism. I won't spend much time on this, um, but let me just show you in verse 5. In the same way, Sam Ballot, for the fifth time, sent his servant. So this is four times, nothing. Fifth time, all right, well, here's an open letter. 
And in it, an open letter, by the way, in this time would have been for all people to read. Most letters that were official were sealed, for not for all eyes. This is a total intentional bash. This is like spreading gossip the old school way. Um, it, it was written, it's reported among the nations that you and the Jews actually intend to rebel. Now, if you guys remember, Nehemiah is here on another king's authority. News like this could get him killed. So he's spreading a, a, a rumor. That's, that's why you're building the wall, because you want to be their king. He goes on. And you have also set up prophets. You totally orchestrated this whole thing to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come, you hear the sarcasm. Come, let us take counsel together, Nehemiah. You see it? Totally just bashing him. Listen, you're always going to have critics when you put your hand to a great work. Seriously, you can't go out for drinks tonight? Listen, there's nothing wrong with drinks at night, by the way. <laughs> but, but if you're making a priority to come home to your family, what, you can't stay late to finish this project? Wait, 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 you're not available on a Sunday for, wait, 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 you got plans tonight on this Tuesday? What do you, what do, you do? Every time you say yes to something, it's got to lead to a no somewhere else. And you're always going to have critics that are like, man, you used to be so much fun. What happened? Man, now you're all like religious and stuff. That's weird, right? Like, you're going to have critics. Listen, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. When life gives you later, haters, you make haterade, right? Like, you, you just work with it. That's, that's profound. That's absolutely, Jesus said that. Um, and so, when life gives you gators, you make gatorade. All right, that's the last one. Um, criticism is going to happen. Here's the deal. Don't, don't miss this. Watch what Nehemiah does in response to this, because this is like an attack on him personally, which is a big deal to me, and probably to you. Uh, so then he responds, this is, this is BS. No, no such thing. I can't say that in church. I'm sorry. No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it's not going to be done. But now, listen, Nehemiah just prays. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. It's pretty amazing, right? Rather than chasing it down and trying to defend himself, he just puts his hand to the work in front of him. God's going to take care of the results. So listen, when it comes to success, I don't know how you define it, but for this following Jesus thing, success is defined in faithfulness to what we have in front of us. He lets God take care of the rest. I'm going to invite Daniel to come, and as he comes, I'm going to land the plane for us. But as you evaluate criticism, I just want you to know that every time you put your hand to something significant, there's going to be critics that follow. I was at a meeting this week, or a couple weeks ago, and... Um, a bunch of people I didn't know in different circles around like church planting and all kinds of different stuff. And there's a guy, somehow someone here is like, hey, we're, we're starting a new church in Boulder. And this guy, this old, old gentleman looks at me and he's like, wow, I've seen people try that before. Didn't go well. <laughs> and, and then over and over again, he's like, wow, that's really hard. And he would say little, little things over and over again like, oh man, good luck with that. Probably should start looking for something else to do. <laughs> like over and, and he's like, oh, but hey, listen, I'm not trying to discourage you. Uh, uh, but, and then like four different times, the dude says he's weird little, and he goes, I don't know this guy. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying. Not trying to discourage me, but man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Success is just faithfulness to the process. All right, God, that guy clearly doesn't believe in us. <laughs> We're going to make it. So I, I don't know what your critics are going to look like. But just know that it's coming. And, and actually, Isaac did a good job uh, of talking about this a couple weeks ago as well. But... Albert Hubbard said, to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. That's a criticism-free life. 
Part of our mission here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. And one of our values is being outwardly focused. And so what that means is to reach people far from God, we're willing to do anything short of sin to help them find their way to God from where they are. And you know what? Sometimes that comes with criticism. A lot of criticism. But I want you to understand that the vision is worth the criticism. People far from God are worth the criticism. Don't forget a couple weeks ago, people are the mission. It's not about me. It's about God and his heart for people. As a Jesus follower, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, I just want want to remind you, you're not accountable to your critics. You're going to be accountable to the one who made you, who has saved you, who has called you according to his purposes. The last thing is, is fear. So when it comes to distractions, and again, that first distraction of keeping us from God then moves into this space, fear of, of what is or what, what if. You know, one of the problems with vision is there's a lot of what ifs. What if I fail? What if I lose control? What if there's conflict? What if it costs me more than I was ready for? What if I'm rejected? Fear's a big one. When God saved me at 16 years old, I didn't grow up in church, didn't really care to be at church, thought it was boring and un- unhelpful. <laughs> and then I met Jesus at 16, and he, 15 years old, right before my 16th birthday, he changed my life. Shortly after that, all I knew was I wanted to spend the rest of my life helping other people know the same Jesus that I know. And then somewhere in that space, God started to call me, like I felt like God was calling me to something like this, and he wanted to be a pastor, and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> God, don't you know that pastors are poor? <laughs> that was my reasoning. And, so, and so, so I was like, you know what, God, I made a bargain with God. I said, all right, fear of failure was, was a big one for me. God, I, I, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'll do anything you want with, with my life, but first I'm going to go get my engineering degree, get a good job, make lots of money. So let me do all that and then. And so my fear led me to say no to my vision for a season that God had put on my life. And I, I was an engineer for two years. And in the middle of that, God interrupted my life to help me realize that I was sacrificing time because of fear to what he had called me to. And you play it forward to Planting City Church, and there's been tons of what-ifs every day. I want you to know, listen, whatever God has called you to, it's going to be beyond your capacity. It's going to be beyond your potential. That character formation that you're working on, it's beyond you, isn't it? A life of generosity, it's beyond you, of radical generosity. A life of living on mission where you live, work, and play and sharing your faith, it's, it's beyond you. It's intimidating and it's hard and there's fear associated with it. Don't miss it. In verses 10 through 12, you can read it on your own time. Just write down fear next to those verses, 10 through 12. And you see Nehemiah play out a scenario of not giving in to fear. So let me, let me leave you with this as we wrap up our time. Your life is too valuable. And your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless pursuits. Your heart knows that, but the distractions want to keep you from that reality. I'm not saying that God's calling you to be a missionary to India or to work for a church full time because God wants to use you where you live, work, and play. And so here's some questions to consider. Number one, what opportunities are distracting you from God's vision for your life? What are the good things just kind of screaming at you right now? 
And maybe you need some discernment from time with the Father. Number two, what's your greatest fear within that context? You have some opportunity to share that in city group this week. That's why we need people around us to breathe life into what God is calling us to. And number three, what's the worst that could happen? We said it from day one. We moved here, started City Church. It was really, really hard on the front end. And uh, our neighbor, Anna, she gave her life to Jesus. After a year and a half of being here and her life is transformed, God starts to do amazing stuff. But City Church itself is still struggling and it's not growing very much. And it's just a really hard season. And all of our staff that have sacrificed so much to start City Church and be here, and all these team members that were bought into the vision in a season where we're like, man, we don't know if City Church is gonna make it. We all looked at each other and said, you know what? Even if it was just for Anna, it was worth it. That's how Jesus feels about you. Even if he was just gonna die for you, you're worth it. What's the worst that can happen? Got to live in Boulder for a couple years. See our friend Anna give her life to Jesus. Go find something else to do. (laughs) Sweet! We're still here though. Praise God for that. And a big part of that's because of what he wants to do in and through you. I know that today is it's kind of big and it's maybe a little heady at times. But I want to create just a moment of silence for you to reflect on these questions. Because maybe as you reflect, and you reflect on that, on that man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a great work. And I can't come down. And maybe there's a gap in your heart because you're like, dude, I'm not. My hands aren't touching any kind of great work. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. So maybe there's something I need to come down from in order to put my hands to something that God has for me. So I'm just gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. This is just a moment of privacy in the moment for you. No no one's looking around. It's just kind of a moment to internally reflect on what maybe God has been doing in this space. as you reflect on the questions, as you reflect on your life, as you reflect on your distractions, I wanna bring you back to God's heart. That people are the mission. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, God was on mission in pursuit of you. He saved you and set you free. That should fill you with gratitude and draw you to his heart. He wants a relationship with you. It's not obligatory, it's invitational. If you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, God has a plan, he has a purpose for your life. But I want you to know before God wants you to put your hand and your heart and your heads to his work, he just wants you. that God sent Jesus to live the perfect life that you and I can't live. All of our mistakes, all of our regrets, all of our falling short, Jesus came to fill that gap. He lived a perfect life like you and I can't, and then he died willingly the death that we deserve because of our rebellion and our sin and our brokenness, because of our lack of love of neighbor and our lack of love for God. Jesus dies in our place, and he sheds his blood for us. It's buried and rises again 
to save us and set us free. And if you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus, I want you to understand it's an invitation that the work he did is enough to save you, set you free, and make you new. And when you choose to trust in him, God not only makes you new, but he invites you on a journey. This incredible relationship that starts today and lasts a lifetime. And everything of significance in my life and in your life will flow out of that relationship. And if you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus and follow him, I want you to know that invitation is absolutely open for you today. In your own heart and mind, you can pray and say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose again, and I want to follow you. And with a prayer as simple as that, I want you to know something changes on the inside. And heaven roars with applause. And so do we. So Father, right now, we we just take some time to reflect. We have very distracted lives, but you're a very present God. We want your voice to be the loudest in our lives over the other ones. God, I'm confident that heaven will be more crowded because of the work that you're doing in our hearts today. I'm confident that we're gonna look up in six months and we're gonna be closer to you than we've ever been. We're gonna have deeper relationships than we've ever had. And we're gonna be living more on mission than we ever have because of the work of your spirit in our hearts today. So Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for offering grace when we fall short over and over again. And thank you that we're invited into relationship and not religion. We don't have to perform for you. We just get to be with you. And you change us from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.